Hello and welcome to the FVZ Show. Can you believe it? It is race week already. Like, where has the time gone, basically, from the end of last season to testing? Testing was that four weeks ago. And here we are today, a week away from the start of season nine. It's exciting times. And with me, as always, is Edward Hunter and Mr. Pickering. How are we, boys? Oh, I'll go first. <laughs> uh, anyway, I hope you had a good Christmas, guys. It's great to see you again. I'm really excited to get the season underway. There's so much to look forward to, so much tension, excitement, nervousness, and all the rest of those emotions that are pretty similar, let's be honest. Yeah, fantastic. I can't, I can't wait to see what this season's going to bring. Um, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank Jack for the timing of, of, of doing this recording of the FEZ show. Um is my beloved Oxford United currently playing in the FA Cup? So um, loving that. Uh, you can you can timestamp this now when this was recorded. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 going to be nice to see what happens. And um, I'm not going to be on site in Mexico. I, I don't think I'm going to be on site until probably around the European season in the end. But um, uh, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be weird watching it from home this weekend. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yep, indeed, one of us now, but it's all right. The European season will be here before you know it. Um, we've got to talk testing because that's the main thing, right? We'll talk testing, what happened, you know, give everyone a bit of a recap, and then we'll sort of talk about, you know, what's going to happen this season, our thoughts, who's going to be on top, who's going to surprise us in good ways or bad ways, maybe, uh, and, and go from there. But I want to start with this man, Maximilian Gunther. Now, this man, we all thought was out of Formula E, right? For a while, there was a lot of. You know, I remember being in London with you, Pico, and we were looking at Gunther, and his dad was there, probably negotiating, trying to find one some way to get his son or something back into the sport because he looked like he was out, and now he's back, and he was fastest of five of seven test sessions uh, during Valencia, and and it set the fastest time of a one minute twenty five, one two seven. And I want to bring this question, because obviously he moved to Nissan, which was a big move from him, from, from Penske to Nissan, Pico. And did that sh car just show, you know, Buemi was struggling in it. And we know how good Buemi has been in this championship. So to see Gunther struggle and then come out and do what he's done in testing so far shows that there is a, clearly a good driver. It's just maybe there was something quite seriously wrong with that Nissan. Yeah, I, th I, I think we knew midway through last year that um, Nissan weren't going to develop their powertrain for Gen 2 any further. They were putting all their eggs in their basket for Gen 3, which is looking like it's paying off through McLaren more than through Nissan themselves. Nissan, I have a look quick. Nato's been... He was, he was constantly putting times into the top five, but I think he fell just around to the level of top ten in the end. Um yeah, he was seventh in the end and top times, but still three temps off, not like a massive mile away. Yeah, and so I think, and yeah, we, we we all thought that um that um uh Gunter was going to be out the seat for um for the season, but uh I think his cards have fallen fantastically. He was very lucky that uh, uh Alex Albon got um uh tonsil was it tonsillitis he had in Monza. Uh, which put Nick De Vries into the seat, and then Nick had that fantastic weekend. And within what a month of that, uh, Nick was signed up to go to Alpha Tauri for um for uh, next season because Nick, uh, what we believe is Nick was set to be in that Maserati squad for this season. But um, 
yeah, obviously that happened, and then they had between Gunther and Turvey, and they chose um, Gunther because uh, I'm assuming through his former race of winning experience and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I think that his his cards have fallen fantastically for him, but he was very in he was very kind of like cautious about what was what was happening in Valencia. He yes, he was topping it. It was basically him from Stoff literally almost every session uh, dur- uh during that week even in the practice race where he started I think it was fifth or something. He made his way up to second, but he's still being very cautious like it's just testing and I think he knows that because I remember I, I think it was his first or I think it was his first year in BMW. Um he was a he was flying in testing that year as well, but uh, throughout uh, throughout the season, yes, he won that race in Santiago, but he finished in and around. I think it was like lo- lower end of top tens, and I, honestly, that's a joy of Formula E. You cannot tell anything what's going to happen, but that uh, but it took the DS powertrains clearly fantastic as. Uh, both Maserati and Penske have that DS powertrain, and it's 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 working wonders at the moment because they were the two quickest teams out in Valencia. Yeah, and I want to talk about that Ed, because okay, Maserati was Venturi, right? Venturi were quick last season, right? Here, here we are again, Venturi at top, right? DS, okay, that was Tech Cheetah. They're no longer Tech Cheetah. He's gone to Dragon, and okay, DS are quick. So it just shows how powerful that. DS powertrain is to take a dragon team which was eh, you know sometimes good sometimes bad whereas now it looks like you know you've, you've taken the DS powertrain and all of a sudden the dragon team are or the former dragon team the Penske team now um are really good but so is this is it looking like status quo because Venturi arguably the second best team last season DS best team well not the best team obviously Mercedes were the best team but then Mercedes are McLaren and McLaren effectively look extremely strong. So it looks like the same three teams that kind of were, were fairly strong last season are the same teams again that could be strong this season under different guises in a sense. Well, it's interesting because Maserati effectively are, I assume, planning to do their own powertrain at some point. But through the Stellantis group, they have those links to DS. So that's why they're running the DS powertrain. And of course, we know... MSG Monaco Sports Groups, so that's why they're called Maserati MSG to have so they're not called Venturi, but they've still got that sort of allusion to their origins essentially in the team name. Uh I think uh I think it's sort of a case of Venturi, MSG, Maserati, they sort of have this tendency to always go for the right customer powertrain. I think D'Ambrosio was talking about that before he left the team principal role and we did an interview with him last year where he was talking about how it was really key for them to get that deal in place so they knew they'd be competitive this season. And I think with the in, the in terms of DS Penske, it's a, a case of it's not really the Dragon. Uh, it is a Dragon team, essentially, but a lot of the staff have essentially been replaced by the DS staff, essentially. So I, I sort of see it as kind of a new team. And I'm not surprised what Pico is saying in the testing diary. That, oh, they look really competitive. And uh, he was, I think, making a little bit of fun of you, Jack, because you predicted that they wouldn't have a smooth sailing. And now it looks like DS Powertrain has got loads and loads of miles under its belt. But anyway, we'll forget that. Pretend I never said that. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, And as for the final thing you said about Mercedes becoming McLaren, I think they've kept all the personnel there. 
So it's no wonder they've gotten so much out of that uh, Nissan powertrain. And even Rene Rass been saying it's no surprise they won the last two championships because it's a top quality team. So uh, yeah, I, f- I think that really covers it. It's not surprising they're the two, the three top teams seemingly at the moment. But I think there's a couple of breakaway ones, like potentially the likes of Andretti, for example, who I think had a pretty solid test. I think they could pull a few surprises. So I don't think it's all said and done just yet. Oh no, and that's obviously the beauty of testing. But I, you know, people say, and Pico's one of them, and 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 so does everyone. It's only testing, but I, I still think it gives us some form of picture. I really do. But Pico, you can probably add to that in a second, but. I want to talk about Stoffel Van Dorn and John Eric Verne in that DS because if that car is going to be quick, what a driver pairing we've got and what a title fight between those two um, and a season that we could have between Verne and Van Dorn. Like, do you see it going to the wire between them two? I think that's the easiest kind of prediction that, it, you know, they're going to take points off each other and it's going to be incredibly tight. Or do you see one driver maybe blowing out the other driver? No, I think this is. Uh, I think your guess is, is is as good as mine, really. I I genuinely think that the entire package is just phenomenal for DS Penske this year. The fact that the DS powertrain, we we knew that the DS powertrain was going to be really good, and then on top of that, you've got the most consistent driver from last year. How consistent Stoff was last year, and a two, and the only person to win the championship twice in in uh, Jean Eric Verne. That is an incredible lineup and arguably one of the strongest in Formula e history. So it's gonna be very hard, I think. It, I think for anyone else to try and uh, to try and beat them this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have like a Rosberg Hamilton thing between uh, between those two, where it, it's between them and that goes to the last race. It's not going to be as dominant as that. You will still get your Edo Mortaris, your Mitch Evans. Is fingers crossed a resurgence for Sam Bird, uh, McLaren's there. Uh, Nissan has shown potential. It's traditional Formula E. I mean, like, they're all still so bunched together. I reckon Neo's going to be uh, a bit further up the field. I did actually have a chat with uh, Sergio in um, in um, in uh, Valencia, and he reckons that the cars made a, a bit of a leap this year. But the thing is, like everyone's everyone's starting from zero. They they literally know nothing this season. So it's going to be it's going to be really really interesting to see what happens. I'm going to say it again, Ed, and I think I say it at the beginning of every season when we have a new... It could be the best Formula E season ever because we don't, you don't know who's going to win. And, and I'm sitting here thinking now, right, all right, we've named three teams, right? But three teams is six cars, right? So you're, you're going there thinking straight away out of those three teams of McLaren, um, uh, sorry, M- Maserati and, and DS Penske. Out of those three teams, you're not quite sure who's going to win and there could be some surprises as well so we say it every season Ed like it could be an absolutely amazing season I feel like we're tempting fate every time we say that though (laughs) one of these days we'll hit a ceiling somewhere but yeah it certainly feels like there's always something new and exciting to look forward to and I've I've always been impressed by the show that Formula continues to put on and has put on through the Gen 2 era I think there's so much about these Gen 3 cars that I really love in terms of especially the footage we've seen of that testing, watching them, even though people, the drivers have complained about the tyres being too hard a compound and it affecting lap times, they look so tricky to control and get the power sort of nailed down. 
and I think it's going to lead to qualifying and the race are going to be absolutely exceptional, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed again, as I say. But uh, I, I I agree with you. I think there's lots to be excited about with maybe a few notes of caution that we might get into a bit later. But I, uh, I overall feel really, really positive about it. And especially having so many teams that could do a lot better this season, some that might not do as well inevitably because someone has to come last. But uh, anyway, I think either way it's going to shake out. It's going to be great fun to watch surprises now i think we've got to talk surprises because all oh right i'm gonna bring i put porsche and andretti down although you guys say andretti but andretti again they're two teak drivers in the bottom half of of the field um in terms of the fastest pace porsche again they didn't break into the top half um either i know you might say it's only testing but i remember pico you were sort of you know, on the fence about Porsche, maybe not 100% sure, maybe they wouldn't be too happy coming from, from Valencia. Is that still your thinking? The thing is, like, they didn't... I'm not sure whether they weren't able to put uh, do their proper 300, 350 kilowatt lap times. I had to switch my head there. New new season, new rules, new kilowatt hours. Um, Yeah. Watch um watch Nichols say two fifty in the first qualifying heat. I'm just putting it out there. Um, but yeah, I they they just didn't seem. Uh, yes, J- uh, Jake went up. Jake went up to the top of the times every now and again. So and Pascal and De Costa, they were they were in and around the top ten. But the, they just kept, by the end of it, they fell right down to the bottom of the table. And De Costa, I think he was second or third slowest of of everyone. Um, but the test is this weekend because this is where Porsche have always done well. They've always done so well in Mexico. Uh, they got their first ever pole position there. They did get their first ever win last year in um, uh, in Mexico City with uh Verline almost won in Puebla even though it's a different track it's still in Mexico there's just something about Verline and Mexico that works really well with and the fact that Porsche got their first pole and their first win there next this weekend it's going to be the telling tale on whether or not they're going to be in the fight this year Okay, so you're putting it all down to to one race. Like, if you don't get it right in Mexico, Porsche, it's done. It's done. It's done. Um, I'm trying to think. All right, Andretti. Like, again, they had a great end, Ed, to the, to the season. Obviously, Jake Dennis was picking up points, picking up podiums and wins. You know, and, and it, we kind of saw the Jake Dennis. Well, we knew that, but then we really sort of catapulted Jake Dennis I would say to to one of the star drivers in, in Formula E and again just not 100% you know you'd want to at least see like with Nissan at least they had Norman Nato in the top 10 whereas uh, Fenetraz was a bit lower down but to have two cars in the same sort of category and Jake Dennis being as good as he is brought a slight concern to me yeah, I guess the I sort of disagree with Pico on one thing, because I think one of the things we have is we have so many teams that have a customer team. Like with Jaguar, they've got Envision. Of course, we've got DS and Maserati. Both We've got Mahindra and Apt, of course, Apt coming back. I mean, there was that interview that the press conference that Pico recorded where Thomas Biermeyer, the team principal app, sounded absolutely exhausted. And it sounds like he wasn't the only team. Uh, that wasn't the only team that felt completely like overworked with the mechanics and stuff. Uh, we've got Nissan and McLaren, of course. 
and I think uh, Porsche and Andretti's the other one. The only one that's sort of the odd one out is Neo, of course, who are doing their own thing with no customers. Uh, so I do think Andretti's fortunes, if Porsche start developing their powertrain, then I think that might have a bit of an effect on how Andretti does. I, I definitely think beginning of Gen 3, that's where we might start to see a lot of development, uh, especially compared to the last key seasons of Gen 2, where there was a bit of a freeze between season 7 and 8 essentially so that was one by the hardware wasn't changing all that much even though they were still making software games of course so uh i i agree i, th- I definitely think um andretti is certainly going to be uh i think they'll be mainly looking to outperform the factory porsche team essentially in the first couple of races at least and i definitely think jake dennis especially and of course you've got lotterer there's the interesting thing a lot moving from the factory team to the andretti the customer squad essentially uh although it's, it's a great uh, of course andretti's sort of in the news at the moment because of the whole f1 rumors and stuff i doubt that will distract uh the formula e team too much because it's obviously a different set of people uh but uh that certainly means there's going to be a little bit more attention on them than there would otherwise be and i think lotter is going to be really i think he should with all that experience should push jake dennis to be better than he might otherwise be although not to say that jake dennis was a slouch at all last season with askew in the other seat so uh I don't think Andretti is a team that looks like it's going from uh, strength to strength at the moment. Although the sponsor, there's, there's a little bit bare on the car. It's only really got the one big cryptocurrency. So I hope a couple more sponsors start putting their name on that Andretti. Because then it means I have more sticker sheets to do on my Lego car. But anyway, that's by the by. Hopefully Porsche are giving them some decent money. I don't know, I know Andretti are technically buying it, but maybe there's a partnership in there somewhere. Who knows? Um, but what I think is another interesting is two teams then that we haven't really talked about, but we know can cause damage, Pico. And that is Jaguar and um, Jaguar and Envision. Obviously, as as Ed said, they have the same powertrain. So, with the way me though, I think this is the interesting thing because obviously Jaguar have kept their same driver lineup, whereas we've got Cassidy and Bowemi now. And we, ugh, it was frustrating watching Bowemi over the last couple of seasons at Nissan because we know how good he is, and he's just faded into this you know, out in Q1 effectively driver, with a couple of obviously getting into Super Bowl, not Super Bowl anymore, the the heats, um, semi-finals in, in some couple of races last season. But do you think him going to Envision might, we might see some of the old Bohemi? I think Ford said it was time, it, it was time for a reset. And uh, uh, after the last couple of years, yes, it didn't really work out. But actually, actually I'd say last season, was actually a solid season from him. He had multiple points finishes uh, across uh, across the season, and uh, yes, admittedly they were like eighth or ninth or something. But um, but I think that's kind of the most that the car could have could have really done. We've seen Nissan not be fantastic the last couple of years, unfortunately. Um, but uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we're, we're on for a resurgence at some point though and they'll be able to compete with their new lineup of Nato and Fenestras. Um but it's but yeah for Seb he needed I think to move move to a new team, reset and go again. And this opportunity came up with Envision and he's he's made this move and I think he needs to he needs to show that he is on pace with Cassidy from the get-go to prove that he can that uh, uh, that he can be there. Interestingly, um, this this only happened for one session, and I think I mentioned it in the um, in my little pit walk down in Valencia. You can watch that on uh, YouTube at the end of this. Um, but uh, they swapped cars for one of the sessions. I'm not sure whether that was just to 
get Buemi's eye in with a with a different car, see if there was any changes that he wanted to make with his car. But um, it was it was good to um, I I I think I think that was good. I think that was good for him to get like more experience, um, in the Envision car because it's because it's different. But um, yeah, I think they'll be there or there about. But both, I mean, like when we had that accident on the last day, uh, which put him out for the entire day, and it actually um, similar to Diria a few years ago, um, when Edo Mortara had that brake failure in practice, it actually meant that the Jags weren't uh, the Jags weren't allowed out for basically the rest of the morning before they knew what was wrong with Boemi's car because it looked like a brake failure and actually it was re- relatively similar to what happened to Edo. Um, but the three of them got back out at some point. Cassidy only did a handful of laps uh, on that last day in the end. But um, but yeah, um, well, uh, but yeah, I think Jaguars yeah, will be there or thereabout, but yeah. Yeah, be interesting to see Ed, like, Jaguar and Envision, they're two teams that can can spring a surprise this season. We said those names earlier of McLaren and, you know, Penske and so forth, Mark Maserati. But it wouldn't surprise us if an Envision got up in the mix of that. It wouldn't surprise us if a Jaguar got into the mix with that, and especially with two teams. And, you know, we know how good Envision was with the Audi powertrain, right? They were better than the Audi team then now that they've got the Jaguar team, you, you're going to assume Envision are going to be able to run Jaguar close and, 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 and try and outperform that powertrain like they did with, with Audi. Yeah, certainly of the customer teams, Envision, you've got to say, is near the top of the pile. Uh, and they, of course, used to be the main DS team, of course. The DS has sort of hopped around three different teams essentially during their time in Formula E. Uh, but uh, it's interesting what Pico was saying about Boemi changing, uh, swapping cars with Cassidy. I wonder, do you remember back in season seven, there was this whole thing where Boemi did a large chunk of the season with a, basically a broken chassis and Nissan didn't diagnose it until quite late in the season. And that really dented his confidence, especially because he, he didn't, well, he proved a bit in season eight, like Pico says, because he actually vastly outperformed Gunther in the points. But uh, it was, I thought that did sound interesting because it does sound maybe there's a little bit of extra bedding in. I don't think there's too much we can really read into that because from what I understand, it's quite a, not uncommon, especially in private testing for a team to just put the, put the drivers into different cars, especially when they've got reserve drivers and stuff floating around. Uh, but yeah, I think Envision Jaguar, the big concern is those reliability issues and it's certainly become a big talking point. And I know Sam Smith and the race have made a lot of clickbait essentially out of uh, sort of, is this the end of Formula E kind of things because of this uh, last day crash that Boemi had and Cassidy having a similar moment where he sort of went through the gravel and avoided the wall and sort of it. They certainly bring up some question marks, but I think the people at Formula E are very competent and I think they know what they're doing. And uh, I think things should be relatively safe in Mexico. It doesn't mean we necessarily might have the most, see the most reliability, of course. And I think that is cause for excitement because we don't know who exactly is going to be still running when the checkered flag falls. But uh, yeah, I, I I certainly think there's going to be room for improvement in terms of the actual timesheets for both teams, and I wouldn't put it past either of them. Yeah, I suppose we can talk about the crash, and I'm surprised I should throw to Pico a little bit on this because you were there. Um, obviously, Bohemia had the brake crash, uh, a, a brake. Well, basically, the car shut off basically, but that by the car shutting off, he also lost brake, so he couldn't slow the car down, causing the accident. 
and there was concerns from private testing. So this was happening in the 15, well, the, how many other days it is now the manufacturer testing that they get um, prior to the testing days in, in Valencia. And these situations had to come up. And for it to obviously come up in testing, so that is, that's why it's been a talker point and that's why it's been highlighted so much. So we're going to Valencia, Valencia. We're going to Mexico now, hoping that these have been resolved, but we are going into a little bit of an unknown in terms of the reliability of these cars. I can't hate to break it to you, but I wasn't there when Noemi crashed. Uh, this So the session starts at like nine o'clock in the morning. This happened at quarter past nine, the Buemi accident, and I would have been there, but um, I was packing up because my flight was that evening. Um, so I, I'm very sorry that I missed it. However, I did, I did chat to people um, on the day, and they said, yeah, it was just like he, he, um, yeah, it just he just went straight on, and 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 when the car came back, the the tires were in, there was no front end, and. Yeah, so it was. I, I, yeah, it was. It was very similar to Edo's crash in Diria a few years ago, um, but yeah, I'm. I've forgotten the rest of your question, mate. <laughs> to be honestly, honestly though, I was gonna say. I'm focusing like, on this. Like <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was gonna say like. Um, you know, great way to tell your boss that you know I was late to work today. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. Hashtag, we move on. Anyway, right. Whether this makes the podcast or not, I don't know. Um, but right, I let's move. It does. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's let's move on. Um, I suppose then. I suppose the main thing then to talk about now is Mexico because Mexico they've added the chicane. Now, obviously, we can sort of add on to the story from what we were just saying is that we we were wondering about the the failures and and. This adding of the chicane, Ed, could be something to do with that in order to slow the cars down um, to the approach speed to the stadium section. So if there was a failure, if there was something that and the drivers couldn't hit the brake pedals, that it wouldn't be as big of a shunt if it if if the chicane wasn't there effectively. Possibly. I think it certainly helps. I think what it's more in for is for an opportunity for the cars to regen energy, of course, with that front uh, brake regen as well as the rears. In, in use for this season so uh i said so the only person i think who's probably not a big fan of the chicane is pascal verline because of course it brings back memories of season five and him cutting that chicane which effectively lost him the win that season even though there was that last minute degrassi getting him right at the end anyway uh at the death at the flag but uh yeah i I've, I've, i think uh the main sort of big straight is that's going to be unchanged from the peril tarda which doesn't i st- think still doesn't have the chicane in the middle because they got rid of that so uh I definitely think it's more just so they have the extra regen zone because they got rid of that Peraltada chicane and they sort of felt they needed it for these Gen 3 cars. And uh, to me, that makes sense. And it'll be interesting to see, just especially because it was a good overtaking opportunity as well into that chicane. So uh, for me, there's a lot of positives to it. I don't see it as a big, big cause for concern, but uh, we'll have to see when we get to Mexico. No, indeed. For me, it's like one of those chicanes in London, right, Pico, where you're like, oh, it might have some overtaking. And they were like, hmm. I don't know and I think it's the exact same for this one because I think they're going to be coming in at such a, a weird angle because it's like, like it sweeps and then all of a sudden they're like they've got to turn I just think it'll be too fast for an overtaking manoeuvre so maybe that regen is probably 
the best idea, maybe the idea that Formula E were going for for reintroducing that chicane. That chicane. Yeah, it's yeah. I, th- I think it's I think it's mainly for, for safety reasons as well because um uh, I remember a couple of years ago I think it was the first year that we we had the new layout. Daniel Lapt had an accident in practice at the end of practice two I think it was where he went straight on on the back straight and then into the barriers and it's there there isn't enough runoff because obviously the track double batter comes into the stadium then goes out the stadium at the same place and so if there is a brake failure um which is highly fairly likely unfortunately with the but the um, walls are much closer than what they would be for formula one for example yeah exactly because formula one do the um do the little stadium then go out halfway through it which and they don't do the full power tata unlike us but yeah i think it's going to be um i think it's going to be like in it's 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 going to make the racing worse i think it, it because it it doesn't add, it, it it takes away the the overtaking zone going into the stadium because everyone's already done a break through the chicane and then break again into the stadium so no one's really going to be able to get that much of an advantage but it's the right thing to do for where we are at the moment but yeah okay. that's that's uh, that's the thing with the technology like they need to try and get on top of it and then fingers crossed when they have and we develop further into gen 3 that the that the cars will be a bit safer and they'll be able to race a bit better and We'll be able to go back to the to the old layout that we had for, for the back end of Gen Two. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It's, I think it's going to be an interesting season in terms of when we get the attack charge or when everything that Formula E want to get out of Gen Three actually comes. So I think to conclude the the episode, boys, I think we'll just get sort of what do you think is going to happen? Maybe this season, who's going to be world champion? Who's going to win in Mexico? Thoughts. I'm going to start because obviously putting you two on the spot like that is horrible. So I'll start. I'm going to start world champion first. I'm going for Maximilian Gunther because you know what? I don't care if the DS Penske. They've, they've been in control even though they didn't win the last couple of championships you could say um, with Mercedes. But I don't want them to win it. I think you know they've been at the stronghold of Formula E for a while and I would love the Gunther story. What a story that would be. Nearly out of Formula E. Comes in smashes testing in a very good Maserati car and, and wins the world championship. Who do I think is going to win the first race? I think we're going to get a McLaren victory. Um, and I'm going to go with Jake Hughes. I think the Jake Hughes will get a debut race win in Mexico um, this season. Yeah. So uh, who would like to go first, boys? Oh, Ed, I Ed, go I'll on go. then. Um... Well, I think uh, Eduardo Mortara is probably, is going to win the first race in Mexico. And I feel like he's been sort of overshadowed, but he always seems to go really, really well in Mexico. He was the only one who was really able to keep the Porsches in sight. Finished third, I think, last season there for Venturi. And I think he's really settled into that team. I think Maximilian, Gula, quick, Ma- Maximilian Gunther, quick though he is, is uh, going to struggle to get on top of him because Lucas Degrassi, of all people, uh, found Mortara is more than his match. I think Ido's been saying things like, in the media like oh i was the ne- i've been the neely man for too many years i think ido's incredibly good driver and i think now in gen 3 is his time to shine uh as for who's going to be the world champ i'm going to go completely out of the box i'm going to say jake dennis because he came so close in season seven uh then <laughs> season eight was sort of a rebuilding year for andretti though he still won in london 
I think Jake Dennis, even though he's got that Porsche powertrain in the back, I think he's going to beat the odds. He's going to beat all these DS powertrain cars and win that driver's championship. But I think probably DS Penske going to win the team's championship. That is bold. I like that. That is bold. If the, the team that we're like, oh, we're not sure if they've got a good powertrain, Dega, he's going to win it. He's going to win it. <laughs> Pico. Do you know what? I might put a tenner on for Ed. <laughs> to see if Jake wins the title, you might get uh, good odds. I don't know what the odds are yeah, like. No, in the Formula odds would be pretty damn good. I don't know what the odds are like in Formula E, but if you were to gamble on Formula E, I don't know what you'd get. I don't think we're allowed to advertise champ- gambling, are we? You get the odds up for the championship. I'll talk about what I think is going to happen this weekend and this season. Uh, because I'll be honest, I'm I'm in complete agreement with Ed in terms of who's going to win this weekend. I think Ed Mortara is a solid shout. He obviously he was fr- um he was front row. He spun across the line in qualifying. He did, year. yes. Uh, I was I was in the I was in the stadium. I had no idea it happened until I saw it on the screen. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Edo um Edo for the win, um and for the championship. I was hoping one of you would go for one of the DS Penskis, so I would just say the other one. But um, uh, I'm going to say it is one, two, three times a world champion, Jean-Éric Verne. Interesting. Interesting. No, not interesting. Um, Very boring. Yeah, very boring. (laughs) To be fair, Jake Dennis, I'm like... Go on, son. I'm, I feel I'm like, go on. I'm behind Ed. I'm like, go on. I've been there in Mexico. Like, go on. Finally, you're on my side. <laughs> go on, Nico Muller for the championship. I'm Nico Muller. Like, yeah, let's go. We haven't so talked about camera. I feel like Robin Fryns is going to do very well this season, but the act, I think, might be the thing that holds him back. Apps. Yeah. They they think that they're a little bit behind at the moment. They need to do a little bit of catch up. So we'll see. I, I'm hoping that they get towards it midway through the season. But um, I think the first few races, they, they, they might be a little bit on the back foot because according to Thomas BMR, it's a bit of a rush job. So, yeah. Doesn't surprise me that, to be honest with you. But, but good luck to Apt, obviously, Nico Muller and, and Robin Frines. It was an, always interesting, I thought, when Robin Frines decided to to move there. Obviously, I know he has his Audi connections, but I did think that the Envision would be a stronger package um, going into the, to the season. But only time will tell. We'll be back after the Mexican E-Pre, can you believe it, to wrap up everything that went on, talk about all the major talking points, find out why Jake Dennis is the best driver in the world because he's just won the race. So I suppose it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering. Thank you so much for watching uh, the FEZ Show. We will see you after the Mexican E-Pre. Enjoy it. Goodbye.